James Kennedy Ministries presents Truths That Transform. This Christmas week, we look at the question at the center of it all. Who is Jesus? I believe based on the data that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, he backed it up by returning from the dead. Who is this pivotal figure by whom we even measure time? Celebrate with us the most important man who has ever lived on today's Truths That Transform. Merry Christmas and welcome to Truths That Transform a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Who do you say I am? Asked Jesus. That question echoes down through the centuries and confronts each of us today. The world has many opinions on that question, but what is the truth? On this Christmas program, we take an in-depth look at this figure who divides the time between B.C. and A.D. and who is the greatest force for good this world has ever known. What this world needs now, as it did that first Christmas, is the truth about the person, the nature, and the power of Jesus Christ. But at the time of Jesus, there were many false ideas circulating about who he was and why he came. And that's still true today. Our own John Rabe investigates. Christianity is unique among world religions in that it invites investigation. It challenges you. Not long ago, the Christmas and Easter holidays were often filled with TV specials and magazine features attempting to cast doubt on the historical Jesus. But the facts about this singular carpenter from Nazareth have always outlasted the fictions. Hello, I'm Peter Jennings, and we have been searching for Jesus. I think what's happening is that uh, the extreme theories that were so in vogue in the 80s and 90s, and uh, documentaries were made about them, they've all suffered shipwreck on ongoing excavations, archaeological discoveries, publishing more and more of the manuscripts, understanding the manuscripts better. And I think that that's what's happened is they've had to stop, take a deep breath and think, you know what, we need to rethink things. Among those theories that proliferated in recent decades was the work of the Jesus Seminar and in the mid-2000s, the blockbuster book and movie, The Da Vinci Code. Both placed more weight on the Gnostic books, like the so-called Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Philip, while casting doubt on the accounts found in the Bible. Just because Da Vinci painted it doesn't make it true. No, but history, she does make it true. Now, listen to this. It's from the Gospel according to Philip. Philip? Yes, it was rejected at the Council of Nicaea, along with any other Gospels that made Jesus appear human and not divine. The first thing that we need to realize is that the Gnostic Gospels did not appear until a century or two after the first four Gospels were well known. They come on the scene late. So the problem is, why don't they show up sooner? Well, because they're probably not original or authentic. This idea that it's the uh, Gospels outside the New Testament that give us the real Jesus, the human Jesus, 
the Jesus as he actually was, uh, unlike the Jesus of the New Testament Gospels who's been turned into a supernatural being. The thing about it, if, if you actually read them, you realize you've got it backwards. Uh, the, the Jesus of the Gospels is the one that's real, who walks on the ground, who becomes weary, who eats food, who rests, who says he's hungry or thirsty. He's real. The uh, Jesus of the Gnostic Gospels, he's the one that isn't real. One of the things that I find interesting is that there are scholars who supposedly have left the faith because they think they have found more reliable evidence about Jesus than is found in the New Testament. And that is nonsense. If you look, for example, at the Gnostic Gospels, you discover that they are fraudulent, clearly. They represent no history. They are a synthesis between Greek thought and Christianity, and oftentimes contain absolute nonsense. In reality, the first century gospel accounts of Jesus contained in the New Testament are not only more reliable than the later Gnostic writings, they're the most reliable accounts of anything in antiquity. People often challenge the reliability of the gospels. The four great gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the best attested ancient documents in the history of the world. If we throw them out and say they're not reliable, then we know nothing about the ancient world. They are the best attested of all. We know nothing then about Plato, about Aristotle, about Plutarch, Herodotus, all the greats are all gone. We have reason to believe the Gospels are early. They were written in the first century, the century in which Jesus lived and ministered. So in other words, the Gospels weren't written in the second or third centuries, 150 years or 200 years after Jesus lived, in which all kinds of myth and fable perhaps could develop. But the Gospels are early. We have the papyri manuscripts that go back sometimes to about 125 A.D. If you compare the gospel evidence for the New Testament with that of other writers and other historical documents, the New Testament has overwhelming superiority in terms of trustworthiness. If the gospels were full of beans, fable, uh, the writers don't know what they're talking about. They're just making up stories, people that didn't exist, places that don't exist. Well, then archaeologists would not use them. They use them because the Gospels exhibit what's called verisimilitude. They reflect the realities of the time of Jesus. They talk about real people, real places, real events, and that's why they're valuable sources. And what these reliable Gospel accounts tell us about Jesus is nothing short of astounding. He did not only speak for God, but claimed to be God. You know, in John 10, verse 30, um, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And the word in Greek there for one uh, is not uh, masculine, it's neuter, which means Jesus was not saying I and the Father are the same person. He was saying, I and the Father are the same thing. We're one in nature, one in essence. And his audience understood what he was saying. They picked up stones to kill him because they said, you, a mere man, you're claiming to be God. So Jesus made that claim. And indeed, Jesus could only save his people from their sins if he was God in human flesh, as the Bible teaches. A man who's just a man, at best, could fulfill the requirements for that man. And we really know that the effects of the fall are such that any just man is going to fail, and even for himself is not going to do enough to be saved. So Christ had to be more than just a man. 
He had to be God incarnate to be able to stand not just for himself, but for all of humanity. As a historian, a very strong case can be made that Jesus died on the cross. A very strong case can be made that, and even, you know, like John Dominic Crossan, who's a skeptic, he'll say that's, that's the best established fact in history, that Jesus died on the cross. Okay, that's a historical fact. One of the great lines from the church is, the unassumed is the unredeemed. Anything of what is human that Christ did not take on and make right and fulfill for us in our place remains unredeemed. And what needs redemption is all of us. Every aspect of who we are needs to be redeemed. And that demands that Christ fully took on human flesh and that a human being stands in the place of the Adam who fell. But not only did Jesus die on the cross after claiming to be God. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, lay down my life and I'll bring it back. Utterly impossible unless he is who he claimed to be. He's God. He backed it up by returning from the dead. And, and um, that, you know, that, that's the ultimate affirmation that he's telling the truth when he makes this uh, divine claim about himself. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, where he said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. So um, in a sense, he's saying, you can, if you can falsify the Christian faith by showing the resurrection didn't happen, you're fully justified in walking away. So we look at the evidence. The early biblical testimony shows us that one person after another said, we saw the living Christ. And perhaps the crescendo is when there's the claim that 500 people saw him at once. An amazing accomplishment of eyewitness accounts from uh, all the gospel testimonies. So they were compelled to believe. Like one scholar said, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is like a knife to a scholar's throat. If you believe in the resurrection, you have to repent. And there are many people who don't want to repent, and they find out ways to somehow discount the resurrection. While many have claimed that all religions and religious leaders are essentially the same, sharing the same message, that claim does not withstand scrutiny. Jesus is utterly different. There's nobody who has ever lived who has had as great an impact on culture and the world as Jesus, a positive impact. You know, you look at Buddha and you look at other religious teachers and they gave people instruction how they could be made better. What they didn't give them is a transformed heart because Jesus is the only savior. I mean, other religions have their gurus and their prophets, but they don't have a savior who saves people from their sins. I'll never forget seeing many years ago the Politburo of the former USSR and I watched this televised thing, and behind them they had the date. It might have been something like 1973. And I thought, I wonder if they even stopped to think in that atheist communist land, the date that is prominently displayed above the Politburo. It's 1,973 years of King Jesus, whom they deny and whom they attack, and whom they want to destroy and put in gulags, every one of the people that named his name under their rule and yet their kingdom is still evident. Our culture presents to us a number of different contradictory conceptions of Jesus Christ. But getting it right is the most important thing there is. It's the difference between life and death, heaven and hell.
Jesus is unlike any religious leader in the history of the world and is uniquely the only bridge between God and us. Dr. Kennedy expands as he answers the most important question we can ask. Who is this Jesus? Is the question that I would like to address with you this day. This one whose birth that we celebrate this week, celebrated by so many frivolous, thoughtless people, many of whom haven't got a clue about what they're celebrating. What is it really about? Who is this Jesus that has come into the world? Is he just a great teacher, a prophet, a good man, as many have said? Well, let's get one thing very clear. Jesus Christ was not a good man. He said so himself. You remember, someone rushed up to him and said to him, Good master! He said, hold it right there. That's a revised translation. <laughs> he said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good. But one. God. Therefore, why callest thou me good? You see, he hung this man up on the horns of a dilemma. Jesus was not a good man. He was either the good God, or he was, if a man, a sinner like all of the rest. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Jesus was not a good man. He was the good God, the beloved Son of the Father. And I would like to call to testify to who this Jesus is. First of all, God the Father. What saith he about who is this Jesus? Well, Jesus himself called the Father to bear witness. He said, there is one who hath borne witness of me. And to what was he referring? As Christ began his ministry at his baptism there at Jordan, when John and a vast multitude were gathered around, when Jesus was to be baptized, suddenly out of the heavens there came a great voice saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now Jesus is not a Son of God. I am a Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. There is none else like him who is by nature the everlasting Son of the Father, the second person of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is God 
the Son. What did Jesus have to say about himself? He said, I and the Father are one. He said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He is omnipotent because he is God. Again, he said, all judgment is given into the hands of the Son that he may be equal with the Father. He is the judge of all of the earth. I am the resurrection and the life. He is the one that will call forth all men out of the grave in that great day, the greatest size when men shall stand before him. Philip saith to him, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with thee, Philip, and yet hast thou not known me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. That's what Jesus said of himself. Did he claim to be the Messiah? Some unlearned people have even said he never made the claim. But do you not remember the woman at the well in Samaria who said finally, we know that Messiah cometh and when he cometh he will explain all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I that speak unto thee am he. How much clearer could anything possibly be? As one writer has said, if you cannot see throughout the teachings of Jesus and throughout the New Testament the fact of his divinity, then you are blinder than the man that looks up into the sky at high noon on a cloudless day and cannot find the sun. Throughout the scriptures, he is thus described. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham was in his grave 2,000 years. But Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. The great name for God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the tetragrammaton, the four-letter word, I am that I am, said Jehovah, from the mountain of Sinai. And so concurs the testimony of the scriptures. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Note that a child was born, the human Christ. But a son is given. The everlasting Son of God was given by the Father. And the two met. The human nature and the divine met in the one God-man, the Theanthropos, the Eternal One, the Infinite, Finite One, the Savior. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. That's who this child, whose birth we celebrate this week was. Now he is not only the Savior of the world, but my personal Savior as well. Can you say that? If not, you are still among those that sit in the shadow of death and darkness. You're still among those that have no hope. You're still among those that are getting ready to soon plunge out into eternity with no hope, 
no Savior, no forgiveness, no heaven, nothing but the just punishment of God for your sins. Ah, dear one, don't miss out on the greatest gift that the world has ever seen, brought to us by the greatest person that ever lived, Jesus Christ, the beloved Son of God, the Savior of all that will trust in Him. We know the truth about Jesus Christ because God has given it to us in His Word, the Bible. Unless God had spoken to us, we would still be completely in the dark, lost in our sins. But God is gracious to reveal Himself and to call out those who are His. Unfortunately, we live in a secular era. God's Word is widely rejected as everyone does what seems right in their own eyes. False views of Jesus have led many to eternal destruction. And false views of who made us and why we are here can lead a nation to collapse. That's why I've written a brand new book that I want to share with you called The Fight of Our Lives, First Principles in the Battle for Truth. A friend of mine described it as dispatches from the front lines in the battle for truth. And I'd like to send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to help this ministry continue standing for truth and defending your freedom. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 877-962-7677. Or go online to djkm.org. Through its 65 concise and easy-to-read essays, this book is in many ways a commentary and a guide for the tumultuous times in which we live. I survey the confusion that has darkened our land from gender madness and cultural Marxism to the insidious attacks on God's design for the family and the relentless efforts to undermine our Constitution. And I provide a roadmap back from the fevered imaginings of the big government socialists to the safe confines of moral sanity. And if you're able to give a generous donation of $100 or more, we will send you my book, The Fight of Our Lives, plus the beautiful classic devotional, Besides Still Waters, by Dr. Kennedy and Dr. Jerry Newcomb. You will want to have these rich daily readings by your side as we begin 2022 to fill you with strength and wisdom and courage for the days ahead. That's my brand new book, The Fight of Our Lives, First Principles in the Battle for Truth, as our thanks for your generous donation to the vital work of this ministry, and the book plus the classic D. James Kennedy devotional, Besides Still Waters, as our thanks for your generous donation of $100 or more. We are now entering into the final days of the year, and it's essential that we finish the year on a strong financial footing so that we can continue producing culture-shaping, Bible-based documentary films in the new year, as well as continuing to bring you and others our weekly Truths That Transform television program. But friends, we can only do that with your help. 
So I'm excited to tell you that generous ministry friends have established a $500,000 matching challenge. That means every dollar you give will be matched dollar for dollar up to half a million dollars. But only if you give before the December 31st deadline, which is not that far away. So please contact us right away. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 877-962-7677. Or go online to djkm.org. Christmas is a unique time when the entire world, knowingly or not, celebrates the arrival of Jesus Christ. Even at the shopping mall, you can hear the music over the sound system proclaiming, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Only Christianity of all world religions makes such a shocking claim. The arrival of Jesus is not some mythical illustration of spiritual principles. Christmas is when we remember that Jesus Christ, the Son of God who is himself God, came to earth, took on flesh and blood. He was born a little over 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, a real place at a real time in history. He died on a real Roman cross he was buried in a real tomb, and he really did rise again from the dead in his physical but glorified body. Dear friends, Christianity is meaningless if these events did not actually occur in history. Christianity is not primarily about religious feelings or principles. It's about Jesus Christ paying the price for the very real sins of all who will come to him in faith. And because of that, the Jesus of Christmas can offer you peace with God and eternal life as a free gift. Christmas is, of course, a season of giving because Jesus offers us the greatest gift of all. Will you accept that gift from him? You can receive it by placing your faith in Jesus Christ and trusting him for your eternal salvation. If that's the desire of your heart, pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner who deserves your judgment. But Lord, I want to turn away from my sins and to receive Jesus into my heart, into my life, and to spend eternity with you. Thank you, Father, for the greatest of all Christmas gifts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you sincerely prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a vital resource we would like to send you at no cost or obligation to you. It's beginning again, Dr. Kennedy's book for new believers to guide you in your relationship with Christ. Contact to receive a copy today. And may God bless you as you do. D. James Kennedy Ministries is standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Frank Wright. We wish you a very Merry Christmas to you and your loved ones. And here's a look 
at the next truths that transform. As an atheist, I had this certainty, and there's an arrogance in that, that I understand everything, I know exactly what it's all about, but that's where I came from when the Lord started working in my life. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.